Um, okay, I think we got comms up. We got the all the audios good. Mark Duvall from You Can Bet on That. It has been months, my friend. Months. months. And I like how I find out when we're going to be <laughs> recording by listening to one of your episodes. You don't even contact me directly. It's like, and Mark Duvall, if you're out there, we'll probably record this. One. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so I, I, I will say I am, con I am continuing a bit with that uh, because I think it was earlier this year you had joked that like you had heard on the podcast before I had gotten a hold of you that we were going to record something. And then I was like, oh, it'd be kind of funny if like he kept on hearing about it there first. And then I followed <laughs> up with him. But um, yes, I, I, I'll say, look, uh, the, the elephant in the room, I'm sure everybody who listens to Better Viewing listens to The Better Life, but just in case you don't, uh, elephant in the room is that I you know, had a kid and that's where the big hiatus came, not only for Better Viewing, but uh, the intermittent releases of The Better Life. And uh, I was surprised that uh, we found our way to a place where we could record again. Um, yeah. and, and here we are. So I've been mentioning on the podcast, Mark and I are going to talk about let it ride and even money for months now. Yes. And, and here we are finally getting opportunity to do this. And I'm excited. We're finally doing this because the grab bag episode that I've wanted to put together is, is, is finally being curated with a, with a handful of interesting things. So, Good. um, yeah, I'm looking forward to get, to getting to that one uh as well how are All things right. and well, you can bet on that camp it's going very well you know uh, dr mike again is living in minnesota he's making trips to iowa specifically diamond joe worth where we met uh back in november and he is actually moving into a new house so he's been very uh, busy this week uh but things are going real well Okay. And then, um, you know, I want to congratulate you of actually two things of obviously for being a better father and, yes, uh, you know, you. the new baby and everything. And I also want to congratulate you on picking two movies that couldn't be more different as far as tone goes. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are the two extremes. So I try and it gets harder with with the smaller the pool, the harder it gets. I try to somehow put two movies together that are either of the same tone or of the same feel, or maybe there's an element to them where where, where it feels like, okay, those two movies kind of go together. But it was so difficult to find that I decided two polar opposites. There you go, uh, and that's and that's where we are. And I think and I think I appreciate the congratulations because uh, <laughs> after watching Even Money, I was like, "Yep, that's exactly what I did." <laughs> so typically, we start with um, the the older movie of the two, but because of sort of the tone and what I have to say about these movies, we are actually going to start with even money. Good. And if you had decided the other way, I would have tried to persuade you to do even money first. Cause yep. that's the way I want to do it as well. Okay. Yes. So, uh, even money came out in 2006 It's considered a drama. Uh, it has a, it has a lineup that a lot of people would recognize with a lot of people who, who, a lot of the, you know, that's that guy from that thing <laughs> actors <laughs> in it. Right. Um, of course, everybody knows who Danny DeVito is, Ray Liotta, Forrest Whitaker, Kelsey Grammer. We don't need to like say like, we know who they're from, but like the Tim Roths, the Jay Moores, the Kim Basingers, like the, those are, uh, there's a lot of uh, other actors in this where you're like, oh yeah, that's that person from that thing. 
Um, okay, yeah, and I, I it's got to be generational, too, because sure. I would certainly put Kim Basinger up there. I mean, she's Academy Award winner, L.A. Confidential. You know, she was a huge star. Uh, Jay Moore, stand-up comedy, did a little work on SNL, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it depends. But, yeah, you're right. It does have a lot of people in it who, oh, yeah, oh, wow, oh, okay. Nick Cannon, a young Nick Cannon, yeah. you know, plays a basketball star. So, yeah, definitely a good lineup. So, can you... Can you guess? So I am. I was born in the year nineteen hundred and eighty-five. Yeah. Can you guess which Kim Basinger movie I actually know her best as? Oh gosh. See now, this is putting me on the spot because it is I, definitely I, putting you on the spot. Yeah, it's okay do, if you can't. I do not know a lot of her. I mean, L.A. Confidential is what I come up with because okay. you know she won the award. But beyond that, I'm I'm struggling. So you better so, tell so, me. So so she was the mother in Eight Mile. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. So she was she was Eminem's mother in Eight Mile, and that's like I was I want to say seventeen at the time, uh, and that was like that's that was my Kim Basinger role. Um, okay. But, yeah. Very good. So <laughs> so so she was included in the that's the person from the thing, right? Because I was like, oh, that's Eminem's mother. You know, like Eminem's yeah. mother. Yeah, okay. Good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So two thousand and six. I ended up watching this on Amazon via their freebie service, but this is it's listed just about anywhere that has some sort of free streaming service with ads. Well, you're uh, absolutely right. I couldn't believe how many services, again, with ads. I ended yep. up just watching it on the Roku channel. We've got Roku. Okay. But there's so many options to watch this if you're willing to put up with the ads. Yep. And the, the one disclaimer I'm going to put on this, um, I, I ended up watching this a little later at night while I was, uh, while baby girl was sleeping on my chest. So I didn't have a lot, a whole lot of movement as I'm taking notes and I was a little tired. All of my references to characters are just the actors names. So, okay. uh, yeah, so that, that is how I'm referring to people. I apologize. Uh, usually I try to get, uh, the, the character. Well, names, in a way but... that's better, you know, yeah. because then people, oh yeah, sure. You know, sure. he was playing this. Yeah. I, I think that is actually a little easier because if you just mention the character's name, people will think okay so who plays yeah. johnny in that yeah so and yeah I, that's good okay and i think i thought so especially with this movie where there's so many characters and cutting scenes constantly yeah, right, so yeah i let me say this this Please. is kind of funny i didn't realize until i actually sat down to watch this that i'd already seen it oh I, it, it's it's a movie that i must have seen fairly close to when it was released and I think what I did, my company, we used to have uh, VHS players in all the conference rooms. And so I would record shows at home and then watch them during my lunch. And this is one of the movies I'd forgotten. I, I mean, I remembered some of it, but I'd certainly forgotten the title. And I don't know if that's an indication of the impression the film left on me or not, yeah. but uh, I was a little surprised. So, you know. Yeah, I I have some opinions on uh on the on the film over over time. I think we may yeah. be uh in the same camp, so we'll yeah. see. <laughs> okay. Uh okay, we got an opening scene of a of a dead body. Uh, usually we try to stick to gambling scenes, but there's a couple of non-gambling scenes for context to bring up here, I think. Um there there's a a, a body in the water by some by the docks, presumably a dead body. Uh, and then it cuts to some uh, uh, a montage of casino games being played. The big wheel, blackjack, craps, roulette, stuff like that. And then we see uh, Kim Basinger uh, playing $5 a spin and de it clearly desperate for a win, right? You hear her under her breath, like, come on, come on, come on. Now this one, yeah. you know, like you can hear her. Um, so, you know, definitely desperate or sort of urging her, her, 
her machine to provide her a win again. Basinger, uh, is it Basinger or Jur? Is it? A I hard... think it's Basinger with a, Basinger. With a hard G. I think so, but don't Got it. quote me. Okay. Um, like we said, L.A. Confidential and Eight Mile uh, Fame. <laughs> also, also in a 1989 Batman. Uh, there's a, oh, there's a, there's a yes. sleeper oh, pick gosh. for her. Yeah. Now, yeah. how did I forget that? Of <laughs> how, yeah. how could you forget that? Um, and you know, this first scene too, the filmmaker tried to make casino gambling seem as depressing as possible. Um, the yes. music, the shots, the people, you know, the kind of the desperation. It was, it was all slot machine. I would think it was mostly slot machines anyway, but it definitely set a tone. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, excellent point. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have that a no here, but you saying that uh, I do remember uh, it definitely it, it had that feeling of like it's meant it was you're like it's it, like trying to set up a serious scene. And then as soon as she's like, come on, come on, you're like, oh, this is kind of depressing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we move to a basketball game. Force Whitaker is in the crowd. Force Whitaker. What do you know, Force Whitaker? Um, <laughs> I know house. him from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There it was like his first go. role ever. That's how, what I always think. And he's had such bigger roles. But that's what I always think of. So he's been in, uh, he was in Rogue One. He was in Three Kings. He was in uh, <laughs> Panic Room, ta- uh, a couple of the Taken movies, I think. And then, if, so the, the movie that I actually know that my my first uh, exposure to Forrest Whitaker, 2022, or 2002, I'm sorry, the movie Phone Booth. Remember that movie? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was my first exposure to, uh, uh, to Forrest Whitaker. He's good. He's very good. He is good. Uh, Nick Cannon of Wild and Out fame and a, number, is a musician, other things. Uh, he's playing. He's a he's a basketball player. He's little brother uh, to Forrest Whitaker. And um, you just sort of see them playing. We're just going through a number of scenes that are, you know, it's one of those movies where there's a bunch of characters and they kind of all have some common th- common scene at, towards the end, right? So we're all yeah. we're learning about these different characters. Then we quickly cut to the home of Ray Liotta. If you don't know who Ray Liotta is, Weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is your favorite Ray Liotta? Uh, uh, well, you know, it's probably Goodfellas. I certainly it? liked him in Field of Dreams. Um, but yeah, I, it's got to be Goodfellas. And it's interesting because the role he's playing in this film, it's sort of, you know, out of character because he's sort of the good guy, I guess, in a way, you know, doesn't really have any vices or, you know, he's not a criminal he's not particularly violent or anything so right he did a uh two two sort of sleeper uh movies for uh for uh ray liotta uh one i think has to be identity he was in that movie i don't know if you remember that movie identity oh, okay. uh with john cusack uh and then there was there was a movie called narc uh, in 2000, you, you're going to notice that that was 2002 as well. I watched a lot of movies in my, <laughs> when I was seven, when I was 17 or 18, yeah. uh, but two sleepers for, for Ray, Ray okay, Liotta. Yeah, but of I, course, I everybody knows either. Mr. Liotta for, uh, for his, his, uh, good fellas and also his, uh, tequila commercials. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, so we at, we're at the home with Ray Liotta. Uh, we go back to the game. Nick Cannon misses well, the game. Well, hold on. Let's let's, oh, I'm sorry. let's just make it clear that it, uh, Ray Liotta is married to Kim Basinger. That's right. That's right. Bas- so, yeah. Basinger comes home, right? Yeah, uh, right. And, uh, yeah, that's right. So Basinger comes home. So there's the there's the match there. They have a daughter that I didn't, I didn't recognize. Just a, No, I no. looked her up. She it didn't look like she did much uh, beyond okay. the, this time, like in the 90s. So, yeah. Uh, Nick Cannon misses some game-winning shot. Whitaker looks disappointed. Um. 
Then we uh, a couple of guys, uh, one being Jay Moore, uh, Jay Moore of uh, who's in he was in Go, he was in uh, what you know does he does he have a big um, big role? I'm trying to think. I mean, I just I don't know if he does. Yeah, I can't think of a big role. I just always think of him as doing comedy usually. Yeah, you know, not this. So, I think yeah. he is the epitome of that guy from that thing. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I'll give you that. Yeah, because I definitely I I don't know actually what I know him from because I'm looking at his list of oh Jerry Maguire that's of it. course yeah there you go yeah yes, there it course. is yeah. uh Jay Moore of Jerry Maguire fame and of course I'm sure other things uh he's with uh, a buddy of his uh which one is his buddy so his uh, buddy's named Murph played by Grant Sullivan Grant Sullivan there we go uh do you recognize Grant Sullivan from anything else no not really um his top movie is uh even money when looking him up so okay. uh, this this was the peak of his career <laughs> uh they are they are waiting for someone uh presumably uh you, you get the idea that maybe they're waiting for uh for Whitaker um and they're they're sort of talking and one of them says we shouldn't have taken this guy's action so it's very clear that they're bookies yeah. uh at the time and then sure enough force whitaker walks in he gets insulted for the money and at the time they don't say an amount they just say you owe us he says i'll get you that's sort of the, the typical bookie rough a guy up type uh 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 back and forth and then then they leave him right and it, whitaker during that scene mentioned something about them being friends before like maybe before this whole bookie thing they it was grew murph up i think i think murph, maybe it was murph they don't yeah. go into it very right much, so but he does say it yeah yeah uh, let me tell you, I, I don't know if it, I, uh, the times where I have had that kind of action, I wouldn't be able to pick up that guy out of a, out of a lineup. That's the kind of, that's how that dude, that, and that's just how, that's how distant the situation is in, in modern day. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it, you don't need to, you know, like, you don't need to like, uh, find some guy in your barber shop or anything like that. Right. Like a few DMS and a couple text messages <laughs> and a Venmo account, and boom, you got action. Yeah, you know, it. it's yep. crazy. It's different. Um, every, every time one of these scenes happens, I think about that. I'm like, man, I don't know if you could like, is it, would it be unrealistic to try to make that a modern day? Or would you just have to find a way to make the, you know, the Venmo transaction not going through more dramatic? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you're talking about big sums of money, yeah. Then you know maybe Venmo might sure. not be the way to go, but yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the we get more character drama, character building. Uh, do you have anything? About, um, my next note is going back to the office where the bookies are. Do you have anything? Uh, before uh, that, no, nothing. No. Okay. So we're we're back at the office. Uh, where the two bookies and. Uh, one guy's on the phone taking bets from clients. And they're talking about like building something and and uh, you know sort of really hyping up their business. We quickly go back to the casino where Basinger is is gambling instead of writing. At this point, uh, or by this point, we have learned that she is a novelist and that her family believes that she is at coffee shops writing. That that's why she's not home is that she's at coffee shops writing. Uh, this is when we meet Danny DeVito. Uh, what is your Danny DeVito character? <laughs> well, I you know I wish I could say one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but oh, it's Taxi, the TV okay. show Taxi. Now I know you know it's a little before your time, but it was sort of you know the Cheers before Cheers. Taxi okay. was a great show, and he was you know a hundred percent Danny DeVito in that show. So I will always think of him as as. Uh, uh, the tax uh, working excuse me from the tv show taxi got it uh it's got to be um it's got to be um 
uh, always sunny. <laughs> See, yeah, you know, yeah, I knew yeah. you were going to say that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. And, you know, I'll say this. I thought Danny DeVito was fantastic in this movie. Agreed. I thought he was a standout. He was really good. And it wasn't the typical taxi or it's always sunny character. Yeah. You know, it was he played it straight and I thought he was great. Agreed. Uh, so we meet DeVito. He's talking to her. She says, uh, you know, what do you play? She's or he, uh, and she says, uh, she says, she, I like slots. And he responds, you don't want to play slots. They're no good. And she goes, I do. I have fun. Uh, and I, I thought <laughs> I was like, is this a Twitter conversation in the gambling <laughs> space right now? Someone quickly <laughs> letting someone else know they shouldn't have shouldn't play slots. Uh-huh. Uh, we got more character drama. Um, and and then we go to a bookie or a girl, a girl learning uh, one of the bookies girlfriends learns that he's a bookie and that he beats people up when they owe him money. Do you have anything? Um, there's, there's just a lot like in, you know, I, I try, like I said, we try to stick to the gambling scenes, provide context where net where necessary, even though this like movie definitely had a couple threads of gambling in it. It was sort of like gambling scene, nothing, nothing gambling scene, nothing, nothing gambling. Like it, it was, uh, there was like always padding in between the scenes or nothing of note really happened. Like, even though technically there's the characters are are doing maybe a gambling related things. There's like, okay, that's, they just said something, they just spoke. And then we went on to something else. Did you yeah. feel that same way with about this movie? Well, yeah, I guess in a way, I, the way that I'm looking at it is they're trying to tell a lot of stories. There are a lot of story threads on in, yeah. in this. And, you know, that's kind of the idea. And there's this over arching uh murder mystery i guess that you know is not all that intriguing but in particular the saint grant sullivan again is one of the bookies his girlfriend is played by carla gugino another one of my favorites their storyline i could have done without it really didn't go anywhere i mean it was yeah i think it just cluttered it you know there were so many stories going on and it it didn't i don't think it resolved itself that well but Anyway, there, yeah, that you know, it's just the filmmakers wanting to make another point that, okay, uh, you know, it's not just the gamblers who have it tough and, you know, it's depressing. It's also bookies and, you know, they can't have relationships. And so he's trying to make a lot of comments. But yeah, yeah. I could have done without their story. Carlo Gugino uh, and a number of things, uh, things people might recognize the show Californication, the show The Wonder Year. She was in Man of Steel. Uh, and, and a handful of other, I don't know if you have any standout uh, roles that you want to uh, mention here. Yeah, but... I think of her, at, she was on Spin City, the TV show oh, for a little sure. while, and she was in Sin City, the Frank Miller uh, the... comic book movie. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Spin City and Sin City. How about wow. that? Oh. Coincidence or someone like, hey, I, yeah. how fun would it be if she was in both? <laughs> so what, so what, it, what I thought was really interesting about this, uh, the scene of her, what happens is she runs into a friend and her friends and she's like, yeah, I'm on a date points to him. And her friend goes, Oh, that guy's an ass. He broke my boyfriend's jaw and sort of leads to her learning that this guy, and that you don't actually, you don't know like how it comes about. You just all of a sudden see them in a fight. So you don't know how he like confessed to this or anything. Uh, but clearly he came clean on on what it is that how it happened or or what happened. And actually, I agree that this storyline could have been removed and not and the movie would have been fine. But I did per- I did appreciate this particular dynamic because we always see the gambler significant other relationship. We never 
maybe maybe other maybe two for the money were Al Pacino and his wife. But Al Pacino still like her problem with him wasn't that he bo- that he was uh, a tout. It was because like, he was gambling. So you never really see the bookie significant other relationship, right? Like yeah, like right. that side of it. So I, I thought that was kind of unique. But uh, I agree that otherwise that the that their thread was kind of forgettable. Okay, well I'm glad you said that because yeah that that uh, that is a little something you don't see very often. So okay, yeah okay. Uh, Basinger gets home late at night. She claims that she was riding in the car. Uh, this becomes classic problem gambling stuff, and and yeah. we all know how much I appreciate good writing with in with problem gambling stuff. Um, and I thought they were doing a good. She, she was she was doing a convincing job, and it was a it was a well written storyline. In my yeah, opinion. she was convincing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's sneaking around to the casino. She's lying about where she's where she's going. Uh, very classic uh, problem gambling stuff. Whitaker is playing ball with his brother, and he makes the mention like, "Oh, they uh, they got you favored by eight, showing you some respect." And you like, as a viewer, you know exactly where this is going. Uh-huh. You know, you're like, yep. "Here it comes." And he kind of makes a subtle hint. I don't, I, I didn't write down exactly what he said, but he like kind of subtly hints that technically he could shave some points, right? And Nick Cannon kind of picks up on it. They get into an argument about it, and we finally learn that Whitaker is stuck 12K. Yep. Uh, and can and Nick Cannon finally agrees to uh, he agrees to it, and then ultimately pulls it off uh, in the game. Any any notes here? Uh, not really. Um, but yeah, you know, this is uh, again pretty standard. You could see what was coming. I, I would say that that was true about a lot of elements of this film. Is yeah. they were telegraphing the plot. You know, there weren't too many surprises. There were some yeah. surprises at the end. We'll kind of get to that. Uh, but you knew where things were going for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. We learned that the body at the top of the sh- of the movie was a guy named Wing Lo, uh, who, and there's sort of mystery on like who technically might have killed him. Uh, there's a detective who's played by Kelsey Grammer, of course, of Fraser fame, um, who... Uh, uh, who is, you know, kind of pursuing, like seems to both be pursuing this and also working with people uh, to not actually pursue it. And there's a, there's a conversation that uh, our, our first mention of Tim, uh, Tim Roth, uh, yeah. who plays a, a character named Victor, who seems to be sort of like upper middle management in this, uh, in this conglomerate of bookmaking. Yes. And the, Jay Rohr and his buddy Grant Sullivan, they work, they essentially report to Tim Roth and, re- and Tim Roth reports to this, uh, this, this guy named Ivan, who we don't meet uh, pretty much the whole movie. Well, and- I, I think at the beginning, no, I think they're separate entities. Jay Moore, he's got his own bookmaking and then Ivan and Victor, they're separate. They're aware of each other, but no, oh. yeah, no, they didn't have any kind of, Oh, you know, Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. so. When when Jay Moore goes to visit him, I was under the impression that it was sort of like a like I want you to come up into a new rank. I think I it was more, hey, come work for us. Oh, a, you know you what? Know, that makes yeah. sense. You know what? That makes because the, the my next note is, uh, they're talking about Winglow's death, and I think it was either I think it was Tim Tim Roth or Jay. One of them says, "Well, Winglow was offering better lines." So yeah, that and then he says that he was stealing from both of us because Winglow was offering better lines. So yeah, that actually that you, 
you're right. Uh, that okay. makes that makes more sense because what he's saying is he was pretty much robbing both of them of action because he was offering a better line and therefore getting the action down uh, in his book. So that makes sense. Um, anyways, yes, that's a. Um, I get, so this is another way that this is different, right? Like you don't call someone up to see what they're what line they're offering, right? You just have a <laughs> yeah. PPH account that you go into to see what the line is, right? And there's no like you know you, as you can use whatever whatever you know account you want if you're an agent. Uh, so it's just an, another way that contemporary local booking is is different. Yeah, and this was just right on the cusp, right? 2006, so it was just pre iPhone. So yeah. yeah, it was still kind of the olden days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if you remember that they they uh, someone references a sheet. No, wait, that was in the that was in Let It Ride. Um, but he, they're still taking book. They're still writing down bets in a book, right? Yes, in, in, right. In, in they the, were yeah. right. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, Devito and Basinger are at the casino. She walks by a craps table before joining him at the blackjack table. She gets dealt a fifteen against a dealer who has a I don't remember what the card was, but it was a bus card and chooses to take a card rather than stay she gets a six and goes on a winning run and every person who's ever watched a movie about gambling knows exactly where this is headed <laughs> yeah like there is yeah. no question what's going to happen the next time we see this woman in, in a scene yeah so basically devito convinces her to switch from slots he at earlier yeah. there's an earlier scene where he says to her the more human element, the more chance you got to win. Yeah. So this is kind of his way of, hey, don't play the slots you're going to lose. If there's a human element involved, then you've got a chance. And I don't think we've mentioned this. DeVito's character is kind of, he's like a washed up magician slash grifter. Yes. You see him going around the casino, you know, doing magic tricks for people and, and getting money and that kind of thing. But anyway, so yeah, he has helped her <laughs> graduate to blackjack and again this is more the telegraphing you know she goes against basic strategy here gets her perfect card and you know where this is heading yep uh yes uh whitaker uh goes back to his baby brother for another point shave and then we go right back to basing her at the blackjack table and surprise surprise she's losing yeah the the bookies are um we see the bookies again one of them wants out, uh, and uh, um, Grant wants out. Jay Moore says, we we provide a service. People like to bet, and we let them bet. That may be my favorite line of the whole movie. I wrote we, down that line, too. Yep, I did, too. People That's, like to yep. bet, we let them bet. Yep. Some like put like that should be someone's tagline. Like circa <laughs> someone like that should be the tagline. <laughs> be People like to bet. We let them bet. Like that's the service we provide. It's great. Uh basically admits to DeVito that she's lost all of her family savings. And well well, it's clear she has a gambling problem. This is the first time that we learn how bad. Like yeah. this is this is we find this is when we learn how stuck she really is. DeVito then pulls her into a three-card Monty scheme in a back alley. And, uh, and it's, it's a really like, she, she does a convincing, like she, she acts, acts she's very well. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah. She's a yeah. shill. And, uh, and Basinger not only did a great job performing in that role, but like, she was also very convincing just in that scene alone. Yeah. Right? The she character like, was, yeah, convincing. exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> yeah the character was convincing. 
Uh, they end up going back to her trailer. She spends a bunch of time there. She comes home to a family emergency that she missed. And uh, Leota, Ray Leota, who we don't really see much uh, in this movie other than when he's at home, like wondering where she is. He doesn't, he, he really doesn't have a role in this until late. Otherwise he's just sort of like constantly questioning, where are you, where you've been? Like that's sort of his, his role here. Finally, he, he gets a little more involved accusing her of having an affair. The next day he follows her to the casino. He then, uh, he tries to follow her to the casino, kind of misses her at an elevator or something. He runs home, looks at their bank statements and then realizes she's been pissing away their money. Now here. This this is when I was this is like when I was I went from like okay th- I'm not crazy about this movie to come on. So I'm, what what specifically? You're filing away bank statements and you don't notice the tens of thousands of dollars that is going that's going missing. You know, like yeah, that's the like he knew where he clearly knew where the statements were. He knew where to look. Like he was familiar enough with it all to make me believe you have at least looked at one of these statements at least once in in the life of these statements. Yeah, now, that's a yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that because it wasn't like she had credit cards that he didn't know about yeah. or you know secret accounts. You're right. Yeah, that is that is pretty bad. I agree. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, and there was like, nothing. Jokes nothing... on you, buddy. If you haven't noticed this, like <laughs> she's not yeah. the she's not the square here. I don't think. Yeah, and there's no, there was nothing to indicate that she was in charge of the finances. Yeah, and that he had nothing to do with it. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um. Look, I grew up in a household where you know my my mom ran the finances. Right. My dad never looked at it. Perfectly feasible. But the fact that he knew exactly where, mm-hmm. like, my dad right. wouldn't know how to read a bank statement. Right. right? Like. Yeah. Right. So like it like it, it would. It, but he clearly knew where they were and all that. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I believe this. That all of a sudden this is a surprise. Um, Basinger is very upset that a woman has taken her machine. Uh, which I which it was a really interesting. Um. I don't think it really added anything to it other than really padding the character that is a problem gambler uh, to the to the point of just like being being like almost burdened with superstition. Right. Yeah, there wasn't anything that kind of led up to that. You didn't get a feeling that she was particularly superstitious uh, at all until that scene. Yeah. So either it's inconsistent with what had happened before, or they they just wanted to add a, a new dimension to her problem. Yeah. Maybe I mean maybe it was just showing her like collapse, right? Like where she, you know, sure. Show, yeah, yeah, she's desperate and now she's kind of right. losing it. Yeah, sure. Uh, Ray Liotta calls her and asks where she is. She says she's at a coffee shop. He says which one? She said I can't remember what the name of the coffee shop is, but she says that's where yeah. she's at. And then they immediately both race to get there. Uh, so that way, you know, she doesn't want to get caught. He wants to catch her not being there. Another thing, like, just call the coffee shop, Ray. Just call <laughs> the coffee shop. Like, yeah. this is 2006, right? This isn't the 70s where, like, yeah. you know, like, this is 2006. Call the coffee shop and just ask, like, hey, is there is there an auburn-haired w- woman who's working, who's, you know, been, you know like, even, even if she says, I don't see anybody, uh, you know, like, you can get some intel pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, she, beats well, you him. know, even if, even if they, again, w- when you're thinking of things like that, it's like, well, as a screenwriter, do I need, you know, am I wasting too much time if I put that scene in? 
And if you do put the scene in, maybe Basinger character says, oh, I had my headphones on. You know, if they called my name, I didn't hear it. Or I, I don't know. It's it's I, I, it, 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 it's, it's tough me. when you're trying to, you know, keep the story going. But I, I know what you're saying. It's me poking holes in the plot after I saw a big hole to poke. Right. Like, yeah, sure, was, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it was sort of suspenseful a little bit because you're like, man, wh where does this go? Right. Is yeah, he going right. uh, to. Yeah. But it's fate. She beats him there, but he immediately wants in and says, you have a gambling problem. Right. So she doesn't like she. She doesn't really get herself out of a hole by beating him there, right? This is just right. where they end up having their 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 first argument about this. Uh, she uh, she calls her out on prom gambling and she pleads a boring life, which I thought was an astute observation into into some fundamentals of problem gambling. There you go. Yeah, uh, she immediately gets on the defensive. Almost like, hey, this is your fault. Yeah. I am so bored with my life and my marriage to you that this is how I, you know, find some excitement. Yep. Yep. Um, bigger bookie, uh, was it uh, I think it was Tim Roth knows that um uh a uh knows that Jay Moore crossed him with Intel and then has him killed. Uh we get another basketball game and presumably more more point more point shaving. And finally, the coach calls him out on it. There's a scene in the weight room where he pins the bar to Cannon's chest and then starts yelling at him about point shaving and ruining his career. And I'm not going to lie. When this, when, so again, to your point, they telegraph everything in this movie. So you see him, he, you can see the coach's look on his face during the game. And you're like, oh, he knows. Yeah. yeah. And then in that moment, I'm like, come on, really? The coach knows. But then I thought about it. Yeah, you probably wouldn't know. Cause like, cause here's here's the here's the question. I'm curious, uh, what your thoughts on this? Well, how how natural nope. do you think point? How natural do you think a professional could make point shaving? And then think about like how obvious do you think it would be if you're someone who's watched someone perform at a high level for a long time? I think that their intentional mistakes would be obvious. And that's and that's where I finally like I first I was like come on the coach all of a sudden he knows like he get he like he see but I thought about it I was like yeah like if somebody in the crowd thought about it I'd be like fuck that guy that guy doesn't know but like the coach might actually be able to pick up on the nuance between a high performing talent and then intentional mistakes because you see enough basketball that the routine of of mistakes I or like the the nature in which mistakes happen I think feel random. And I think someone trying to make mistakes may not may appear to not be random, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I also thought to myself, oh, really? The coach figured it out this fast? But you're right. Maybe if you're a basketball coach, I certainly wouldn't. I know right. I certainly wouldn't be able to tell, you know, unless it was crazy obvious. Yeah. Um. So you know, maybe I'm just projecting there, but that did. Yeah, I, I guess I can go for that. I, at the same time, though. I this was my least favorite scene in the whole movie. The coach yeah. basically physically threatening his player. I mean, yeah. you know, all it is is he's, you know, he's not spotting the guy when he's trying to bench press. Yeah. But uh yeah, I thought god, this coach is is he's kind of overreacting, isn't he? I mean, I especially with the way he's presented the rest of the movie and again, the coach doesn't have a very big role in this movie. Right. But um that pushed that was a little much for me. I, I don't, I thought that his, 
response was it, it was the, the scene did feel over dramatic. But if I was a coach and believed that a player in my program was jeopardizing the entire program with this, I would probably want to throw them out of a window. Yeah. So um it's it, it did feel a little uh knock around guyish with the whole like letting the the bar pin him and he's yelling in his face right like yeah. you know it it, it 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 had a bookie better dynamic to it almost but yeah I, I think the reason why i gave the coach grace in being able to figure it out is the mistake we see prior to the look on his face is he like gives up a bad pass right yeah. and that and it was it was I don't know if it was bad acting or if it was intentionally meant to look like bad mistakes or like a poorly deliberate mistake, whatever, however you want to put that. I would assume that if I'm a player who's trying to shave points, I'm just throwing the ball slightly off target, right? Yeah, right, right, as opposed to, you're right. Yeah, like exactly. I'm not yeah, giving yeah. up turnovers or dumb stuff right. like that, you know? <laughs> right. and, and that's where I felt like, yeah, if I was a coach, I'd probably actually pick up on that. Like, okay. come on, like you don't make a mistake like that. Or okay. I I know what a turnover looks like. You gave them the ball. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but it's it. To your point, it's, a, it's not a great scene. Um. It, and yeah. we should say too that Forrest Whitaker characters witnesses this. Mm. They don't see him, but he witnesses this, and it certainly um, affects him and yes. you know his actions later on. Yeah. So Roth drags Whitaker out to some I don't know, uh, and it's it's nighttime. They're by some like warehouse or something, and he tells him that his brother has to lose the conference championship. Uh, and he hits him a couple times and he says, what does he do? He says, he's going to lose. And you're like, okay, great. Here it goes. Yeah. Uh, Basinger admits to uh, Ray Liotta that she has a problem and that she's a gambling addict, but for him, it's too little too late. And he asked for a divorce. And I, I appreciated that that was his response. Cause I think that that's what an objective response is. Uh, okay. An objective response. Um <sighs> I don't have a problem with it. It's fine. I mean, yep. it's like, okay, you got your... So I don't have a problem with the scene. I'm trying to think, though, back... There's a scene early on where it's at the college. He's a professor. Yeah. And a student approaches him. She is worried about failing. Right. And basically says, hey, what can I do, you know, to get a passing grade in here? And yeah. it's obvious that, you know, she's... What can I do? Wink, wink. Right. Yeah. And he rejects her flat out. And you kind of think, oh, that's going to come up later, right. right? Because, oh, you know, he, but one of the things that's happening, too, in the marriage is it's not that she's disappearing and they don't know where she is, and it turns out she's gambling, but she's not very affectionate anymore. Uh, and, you know, that's a result of her being depressed by the gambling problems. So you kind of think that's going to go somewhere, but it doesn't. So is the point of that scene where the student approaches him to show what a good guy he is? And I... It, if so, then why is he so quick to say, I want a divorce instead of let's get you help? So mm, that's again, a good, you know what? That's I, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good point. Cause I, I do think that scene was meant to establish pure character. Yeah. And right. so, yeah. yeah. And, mm -hmm. and if this is, if this is just, yeah, that's a good question. That's a, that's actually, that's a good point because he, fears the worst i don't know what's worse in in his character's mind the an affair or a gambling problem but <laughs> it will assume the affair was the worst of the of the two and he assumes the worst and 
uh, and and then then learns that it's a gambling problem, and then says, "Yeah, I want to work." Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't. You know, I don't know. I think for I think for the rest of Basinger's decisions in her the, how they end her character, I think that moment's necessary though. Uh, that's fine. That's yeah. that's why I kind of said I don't really have a problem with it. It's just it's not very consistent with his character, yeah. at least the development up to that point. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, DeVito tells Basinger about a fixed game. He learns from from Tim Roth about this uh, about this fixed game that Nick Cannon's going to help throw the game. Uh, Whitaker then talking to Cannon. Cannon's like, "Hey, you need me to do something?" And Whitaker's like, "Nah, I'm all good. It's it's all settled." And you you kind of like, really? Is it really? And then like the scene ends and you're like, oh man, he did not ask for a thrown game here. And yeah. sure enough, the fix is not in. The game starts. There's nothing, nothing indicating that Nick Cannon has been asked to throw this game or that he's going to. And sure enough, it comes down to the wire and it does not happen. Nick Cannon hits a game winning shot. Everybody loses their bet, including DeVito, basing a Roth. Uh, who knows if Whitaker had any action on it? It doesn't refer to it. it doesn't uh, no, it does. There, there was a scene earlier where you find out that Devito and Basinger basically put everything they had yep. on this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Nick Cannon game-winning shot. Tim Roth is just staring at the courts uh, in, in with no emotion really, and. Whitaker is driving on the road. He's all excited. Nick Cannon, then you see him go to call Whitaker. And then the next shot you see is Whitaker on the side of the road dead. And then we see DeVito. Uh, DeVito goes in and kills Roth and then himself. And then we learn that Grammar ultimately worked for uh, Grammar, who I guess we really haven't mentioned other than one of the time, is this detective that's sort of in and out of scenes who's clearly sort of in cahoots a bit with uh, with Roth. We find out that he ultimately works for this mysterious Ivan. Yeah, Whitaker is, he leaves the game. He doesn't leave the game early. You're thinking maybe he'll leave the game early yeah. because he knows Tim Roth is there. But he doesn't. He, you know, leaves when the game is over and he's driving along and you see he's got a plane ticket for somewhere, somewhere sunny. You know, he's dreaming about, well, this is it. He's getting out of there. And before he's killed, you see a car drive up next to him. He sees it too, you know, these two hoods. So I'm thinking, well, okay, if you really intended to fly away, you, you weren't more careful leaving that place? Yeah. I mean, you so even though you kind of expect, okay, he's going to get killed, the way that he gets killed, it, he sure wasn't trying not to get killed. It was just, I, I didn't like that at all. He just wasn't, you could, oh, well, he wasn't thinking straight. No, he was thinking straight enough that he knew he was going to get out of town and he wasn't that careful leaving. So I didn't like that. There yeah. is a scene where uh, Grammer's character, again, he's a detective, <clears throat> comes to Tim Roth. He he basically knows that Roth has um, killed Wing Low and that he's also killed Jay Moore. And so Roth, uh, um, Grammer tries to arrest him. Now, we haven't mentioned this, but Grammar's character uh, uses uh, canes. He's got a, a disability. Right. And so he can't move around. And he tries to arrest Tim Roth, and Tim Roth basically just knocks him down. Grammar didn't come with any kind of backup. He's going <laughs> to arrest this guy. Yeah. And then when you find out that he's working for Ivan this whole time, why did we need that twist? I, that I, I don't. 
it doesn't not only does it really not make sense it's not even intriguing it's it's like what did they feel they needed to put something in like that not only do we find not only find out this little twist but the way that it's present there's a voiceover and it like implies that we've been watching kelsey Grammer's character story right yeah. like yeah I don't, did you catch that at all? Like, the, yeah, like there's a little sure. voiceover, and the only time you really hear a voiceover is when, like, there's a when there's like a a, a, narr a narration going on, right? And and he's like, "Me, I like a little whatever. Uh, I like uh, to go for more or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's more. kind of the, that's what. Yeah, he keeps as narrator keeps saying, right? We all want more. Everybody yeah. wants more. And what like, are you willing to put on to lay on the line? I think that's the line that he uses. Right. And I was like, but, were, we, were, we, were we watching? <laughs> At this moment, I was like, did I miss something with this character? Like, is this? I, I was like, do we really? Honestly, I didn't really care who Ivan was. <laughs> I didn't need to know. Right. I didn't, it's just, I didn't it, need a it, face it, to his to his character. Yeah, it's no, strange. It was strange. And just kind of an aside, Ivan was played by the director of the movie, Mark oh. Rydell, best known for directing on Golden Pond. So. Yeah. He's got some credential, but yeah, it's <laughs> the, and then there's some kind of happy endings. Kim Basinger basically ends up writing a novel that seems yes. based on Danny DeVito's life. And she's signing autographs in a bookstore and uh, uh, Ray Liotta comes up for an autograph. So it looks like that's kind of, but you know, that's kind of wrapped up pretty nicely. Didn't she lose even more money <laughs> before? And uh, I don't know. And, and then, um, the Grant Sullivan's character and Carla Gugino. There's a scene too at the end where it looks like maybe they're going to be having. I don't know. Um, yeah, it it overall. Uh, again, this is the second time I've seen it, and now this movie, even though I think it's extremely well acted, yes, uh, it just no, I didn't care for it. And boy, talk about it! it at times, it's so overly dramatic. And there yeah. is little to no humor. You know, even a dramatic film, you have to have some elements of humor. And there was virtually none in this. Yes. Uh, DeVito, Leota, Basinger, Whitaker, Roth, uh, who else? Moore. All great performances. Right? Yeah, all, it was they, very they, well acted. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it all for naught, really. Right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it was like, I just can't quite... You know, I guess the the Basinger prom gambling uh, thread was interesting to me, and I thought, well, like it was convincing and well done. Yeah, and that was kind of the main story. If you had right. to pick a main story, it was hers. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I agree. And and what's interesting is, you know, I I kind of I I thought of even though Win It All is a more of a comedy, I thought sort of as I was watching as I thought of the movie Win It All, sort of as this like random movie about gambling that's like not great but like there's some good lines and there's some good acting and stuff yeah it's just, it's just funny how differently i feel about these two movies oh, right yeah. i think well you know and and when it all it definitely had some humor into it so yeah. a lot of humor in it but yeah that was just a better told story yeah yeah uh anyhow um i'm not i'm not ups i'm not disappointed that this was the first time i watched this movie and i'm like the the uh will i watch this again no is like minus ten thousand. so yeah, uh, and it's it's yeah. it's not surprising that I had forgotten that I had seen it, even when I saw the title and the the actors and everything. It did eventually come back to me, but yeah, right. it did not leave an impression. Okay, let's move on to what is clear, definitely with without even talking about it. I think everybody can assume it's the better of the two movies. <laughs> uh, this is this watching it for this recording is the first time I've ever seen the movie Let It Ride. Yeah. 
Uh, I didn't know about it coming into the gambling space. And then it was a movie that everybody sort of brought up in the discussion of good gambling movies. And I was like, oh, I should watch that sometime. And then around the time that I was thinking, I should probably sit down and start watching some of these gambling movies. You and I started doing this. And I was like, well, I'll just I'll I'll watch it when when Mark and I do an episode on it. Yeah. And so here we are. I'm watching Let It Ride for the first time. And let me tell you, I loved it. I love, love, love this movie. Yeah. And it's like the fourth time I've seen it. And it's funny because it's got like 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. And when I look it up in the guide, it's got like one and a half stars. And the woman who wrote the screenplay, the story goes that she actually had her name removed from the movie. Because when you see it, it says it's it's the screenplay is by Ernest Morton. But her name is Nancy Dowd. And the only, <laughs> maybe she wasn't expecting quite the screwball comedy yeah. that ultimately the film was. But, oh, I, I just, I loved it. And I ended up watching it with my son. I just happened to have it on and he sat and watched and we just laughed the whole way through. So yeah, I, I still love this movie. I, that 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, that 27% are all gamblers. <laughs> gamblers had to have appreciated this movie. Uh, yeah, let's it, maybe that's some of it. Yeah. Let's get into it. Uh, it came out in 1989. I watched it on Amazon Prime. I know it's available there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see where else it was. Uh, that's available, what I but... did too. Yeah. I just okay. rented it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And uh, it has a handful of recognizable actors and uh, it's older. So there's a, a good number that I did not recognize, but Richard Dreyfuss, uh, Jennifer Tilly, Robbie Coltrane. Uh, these are people that uh, the, some of the actors that I recognize and I'm, I'm not familiar with, with some of the others. I don't know if, if you want to point out any, any other sure, standouts. I will as we go through it. Yeah. Okay. So we, the opening scene is, is Trotter. This is where I actually will use uh, character names. Um, Richard Dreyfus, who plays Trotter, Jay Trotter. Uh, he's exchanging what appears to be vows, like renewed vows with his wife, or maybe just promises. I was having a hard time of tracking what it was they were like, what exactly we were witnessing, but they're essentially promising to just be better to each other. Yeah, it seems like they've got some troubles in their marriage and they've yeah. gone out to dinner and they've both written things down about how they're going to be uh, better partners. Yeah. One of his is I Won't Gamble So Much, which is funny because you know you're about to watch a gambling movie. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, we find ourselves in a cab, uh, just a random well, let cab. Me, let's back up oh, here because th please. that scene. So first of all, his wife is played by Terry Gar, the wonderful Terry Gar. They actually played husband and wife in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And she, you know, through the 70s and 80s, for whatever reason, ended up in a lot of roles where she's the long-suffering wife. Even okay. in Oh God, she was married to John Denver. It was the same kind of thing. But uh, she's just wonderful. Um, again, you don't see her too much now. I think she's suffering. For, I think she has like MS or something. And she's older. But Terry Gar is absolutely wonderful. I do want to talk about this scene because the scene really sets the tone of the movie early. Because they get into an argument about fortune cookie etiquette. Or, you know, whose fortune cookie it is. Is it because you touched it first? Is it because you opened it? Because you ate it? So who does the fortune actually go to? And it gets into this big discussion with everyone in the restaurant. You know, Trotter says, to, excuse me, I've got a question uh, for you. You know, yeah. what happens? If, and it just, it gets wacky real quick. And it certainly sets the tone for the rest of the movie, I think. Yes, it does. Anything else? That's it. 
we find ourselves in a cab. The driver has a rig. This is the late 80s, right? And there's the, the divider between driver and uh, and rider. And there's this little sticker uh, that the rider can see that says, driver can't hear you. But then you see that the driver has a little rig set up to where he can, that he has the backseat mic'd and can actually hear what is being talked about. And there's two guys that are back there. They're talking about a horse that can't lose. And, and and they specifically say can't lose unless it's struck by lightning at the gates. Yeah. And, they're talking about how he, the horse has been held back on yeah. races so that they could get, you know, a, a good odds on the horse and, and the driver whose name is Looney. Uh, not only is he hearing this, he's also recording it to cassette tape. Yes. So he's recording it and he, he gets, he, after his little drive, he ends up meeting with Trotter and he plays it back for him. And he's actually wants to play something, something goofy on there. Some but, lewd act that was going on. Right. In the car. Yeah. That's what he wants to play for Trotter. But Trotter hears a little bit of the, the horse tip. And he's like, well, play that play, play that back. Like go back, go back. And as soon as he hears it, he's sold. Like he just, he, he doesn't doubt it. He doesn't question it. He's like, this is it. This is it. We got to do this. And he has a good, this is not gambling. This is a sure thing. (laughs) That's right. That's right. He says something like this, this gambling involves risk, chance, certainty. I'm just taking advantage of an extraordinary business opportunity. Exactly. (laughs) Um, he he listens uh does he take the cab over that's something i was it does i think wh- they were both cab drivers i right. think that's kind of what it was yeah okay and yeah so, so he we see him driving now he's listening back to it and uh he's listening to this part of the tape over and over and over and it ends with the audio bet the horse heavy yeah <laughs> uh we get uh we get trotter and looney heading to the track uh and, and trotter says i've got a hundred bucks stashed away just for a day like this <laughs> like what kind of day like let me legit just in case i get tipped off on a sure thing i want to make sure i have some money in pocket yeah. uh the the just for a day like this was was great they're at the racetrack they get the daily race form and they go to the bar now there's there's a scene where Looney is is like is he trying to buy a tip sheet? Is that what he's trying to buy? Oh yeah, as they're going into the track, yeah, you'll see yeah. you know, a lot of hucksters on the outside that are you know Bernie's reliable and they're yeah. trying to you know sell you their tips. So yeah, now this happens a handful of times throughout the throughout the movie. Trotter in his head sees someone hustling in some way. And quickly does the math on how much money that person must make in a day, week, or year. Yes, and yeah. he and the first time we we hear it is when he when he sees these guys selling the tip sheets, and he quickly does the math on like how much that person must make in a day selling these tip sheets. Yeah, they 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 go all the way to the bar. A lot of great characters in this bar, and uh, there's one guy who is who seems to possibly be dead or passed out or whatever, just sort of staring off into space, not doing anything. And it kind of comes to and the, the the number. It came to me, and like he's like this is going to be great. These these characters are going to be uh, be wonderful. Yeah, one of the great parts of this movie is just this whole race, this whole horse racing community. Yes, you know, or the betters, I should say. You know, they know each other and they've got reputations. They've got different personalities. That's a big part of the film. Yeah. 
two guys burst into the bar. One yells, the two horses, a mortal lock. And I just love the fact that the term mortal lock has been used for decades. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I mean, I actually have a note here. I'm enjoying the exchanges in the bar so much. It's hard for me to take notes here. What know, notes do yeah, you have you, from the bar? If you have never seen it before, I know it's hard. I, you know, I don't really have any additional notes other than, Richard Dreyfus at one point kind of looks around at everybody and thinks, why am I here with all these losers? Right. right. When he's obviously at certainly at this point in the movie, he's one of those losers. Right. And he's having this epiphany. Uh, the only other thing I'll say is there's a young Cynthia Nixon uh, who people will know from sex in the city. And she plays a, a 19 year old who is going to the horse uh, races for the first time. That was, was Cynthia was Nixon. Friend. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, what? oh my word. <laughs> you know, I mean, she's got braces on and you know, her hair is, uh, it's not like bright red or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> wow. I would not have been able to make that connection if I didn't just, if you didn't say, and I looked at the, the cast list right now, that's yeah. incredible. Uh, she has a couple good lines in the in this. Oh well. yeah, she's she's a funny character. Yeah, everybody is scoffing at the idea that Trotter likes the four horse. The four horse is the one that he heard the tip on from the back of the cab. Everybody is like scoffing or laughing. Yeah. Uh, he, he has a multiple exchanges where like the people, everybody's just sort of laughing at it. And he goes to he finally goes to the the ticket window. And he goes to make his bet on the four horse and the person, the ticker writer says, sir, this is the tr the window for $50 bets. And then sure enough, he makes a $50 wager. The ticker writer is Robbie Coltrane, who in my life is best known for as Hagrid of in Harry Potter. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And he's a great character in this film because initially you think he's going to be the antagonist because yeah. he's saying to, to Trotter, you're in the wrong window, right? The $5 window is around the corner. Yeah. And as the movie progresses, suddenly Coltrane's character is just in awe yeah. of Trotter. So I love how it switches. I love that. I love it. Uh he does he he does uh quick oh there's a they're going to the rail to to want to watch the race and there's a big guy maybe like six five just bulky guy and uh looney says i'll pay you after the fourth race if you get us two spots on the on the rail and the guy moves forward and just moves people out of the way to give them their spots which is not only a great a great scene but then trotter quickly does the math to realize he probably makes about fourteen hundred dollars a day just getting people spots on the rail yep uh by the way hell of a living if you could uh if you can pull that oh, off yeah yeah <laughs> uh our first race is a photo finish in the four horse one boom we start off with a winner yep um I got a line here. At least I have the P. Oh, so Looney does. We learned that Looney does not make the bet, right? Trotter is it, Trotter. Believe he is at hundred bucks, and he gives. He actually gives Looney that fifty bucks. I mean, in the bar, Looney says something about making a bet on the Packers. We don't. We're not really quite sure what happens there. But Trotter's still sort of under the mind that that Looney ultimately made a made a wager of some sort on the same horse that he did. And he learns that he doesn't. They get in his argument. And Looney says, at least I know I have the peace of mind that I did the right thing, which is not betting on a sure thing. <laughs> Great line, yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, and then uh, Trotter offers to buy a round of the bar, and uh, he doesn't have any takers, which yeah, I actually that... found kind of – it was it was a really – it was an unassuming scene. Yeah, kind of a nice little touch. You know, you don't see that coming. 
right? It's like, eh, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, you could read a lot into it. Is it because yeah. they think, well, we're not going to take advantage of this guy because he's going to be broke by the end of the day, or is it, you know, oh, I don't want to drink something you buy. I don't know, but it, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Uh, a noter, a winner knows when it's time to quit. Great line does not apply anywhere else in the movie. <laughs> Trotter, <laughs> Trotter goes to the guys that uh, so Trotter goes down to the stables and he finds the guys that were in the back seat of the cab and he gives them the tape back. He's like, it just like comes forward. Like he's like, hey, my buddy has a cab. He records people in the back. Here's the tape. Thanks for the tip. I made a bunch of money and they think they're being blackmailed. They're like, yeah. all right, bud, how much money do you want? He's like, I don't want any money. There's a tape. And the guy asks, I think no less than seven times. Is this the only tape? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he does yeah. not believe him that this is the only tape and that they're not being blackmailed. Yeah. The, the guys realizing that this guy does not realize that he could be blackmailing him. They quickly give him a tip on another horse. They like in another race. They give him a spot at the jockey club, and then he, all, and he even gives him a tie to wear should he go to the jockey club. Yeah. He decides to take that tip, and he lets his entire winnings ride on the seven horse for the next race that he's going to bet. I can't remember which, which race it is, but he's going to yeah. bet, bet on the next race, the seven horse. And <laughs> the cab driver, uh, so Looney then runs up to him, wanting the tape so that he can then go blackmail the guys in the stable, which is, it was also so unexpected, but I was like, this is like, as, as, um, uh, what's right as sort of like easy pickings that it was it was still an amusing like uh you know uh sequence of events, right? He's like, hey, I got this great idea. And he's like, I don't got it. I gave it to him. (laughs) Uh, And then we go to the race and the seven horse wins. Boom. Our man is up. Um, I can't remember. I think he's up. Um, is it six thousand at this point? He's in the six thousand range. I, I want to say. Like, I'm trying. I didn't write down all the totals. Yeah. for one of the big ones. But yeah. But, but he made so he. Uh, but this is the second. So he made the first fifty dollar bet. He let it ride, and now this is the second bet that he's won. And uh, the he is now starting to get a reputation, right? Everybody at the at the track is now sort of knows that this guy who took a couple unassuming, you know, long shots that no one really liked is he's doing pretty well. Uh, and you start to see, uh, um, I don't, I don't, I think it's the character's name. Um, what is, uh, Coltrane's, um, character? Uh, he the doesn't have writer. a name. Oh, yeah, he doesn't have just, a name. He just, he's just known as the ticket seller. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So the yeah. ticket writer, you start seeing, this is when he starts seeing the exchange. Like when he goes to cash this ticket is when he really start picking up on the fact that he's like real, that, that the ticket writer is on his side, yeah. you know, that yeah. he wants him to do well here. Yeah. Trotter goes to the jockey club and uh, oh, I, so he's put all of his money in his shoes. I'm not going to lie. I was having anxiety about this guy's money the entire <laughs> the entire movie, Mark. After after watching movies like California Split, you know, where they get robbed in a parking lot and all this sort of stuff. And like and, and like constantly being aware of of the vulnerability to having cash on you at a casino. I am anxious about this guy's money the entire movie. Well, exactly. And, you know, I'll tell you, poorly written movies, (laughs) I'll just say that in TV shows, put little plot points in there so it's easy for the people to lose the money. Right. It's kind of like, ah, there's none of that here. So, you know, he he shoves the (laughs) movie, he shoves the money in his shoe. In fact, 
So much so that when he when the money stashed, people comment on how taller he looks. And <laughs> yeah. when he's bet the money, people comment on how shorter he looks. Yep. Yep. Great attention to detail. Yep. He tips the waiter from a dollar from his shoe, which <laughs> yeah. was fantastic. All crumpled up. And, yeah. yeah. And he gets seated at a table with actress Jennifer Tilly, who as uh, of course, is a great actor. Uh, and she's known for also being a poker player. And boy, if I can, if I can just be a stereotypical male here, Jennifer Tilly was a smoke show. Yeah. And, you know, she played these kinds of roles quite a bit early in her career, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, she is uh, there with a wealthy man who, I don't know, to say he's kind of a dick, I think is maybe overgeneralizing. He's just sort of not pleasant. Yeah, yeah, like, right. like it doesn't make it seem like he like treats her poorly or anything. He's just sort of unpleasant, you know. Like he he's not nice to her. I guess yeah. is a good way of putting it, you know. Yeah. Um, and then there's another uh woman that's seated next to him that also is sort of um getting his attention and sort of flirting with him as well. And he is just in heaven. I mean, yeah. he's <laughs> he's in the jockey club. He's won a couple of big bets. He's got attractive women who are talking to him. Uh, people are curious about his uh, about what he likes and stuff like that. It's great. Um, she has, <laughs> I think, she he's like, do you so do you do you come here a lot? And she's like, I enjoy gambling. And I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> well said, <laughs> well and, said. And I he enjoy says something like every day, yeah, every day. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, of you course, gamble yeah. every day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think do do you think you could gamble every day? Uh yeah, I could in a little way, but could I go to the casino every day and gamble? No. Could I go I, to the racetrack every day and gamble? No. Okay. No. I think but, that's you know, I, uh, yeah, uh, but if it's little things like, oh, buy a lottery ticket, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> okay. So I was thinking about I was like, I technically gamble every day because every day I have I probably have action somewhere like in yeah, sports, yeah, but I can do that from my phone. Right? right. That's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But I, I don't think that i could do you know we definitely see it in movies and tv shows that, that cover racetracks right like i don't know if i could be this track rat that could just be at the track every day or no, the it, casino it, or you know, like for me no yeah couldn't do it the uh where are we at here um he yeah you gamble every day he gets arrested for suspicion of pick, pickpocketing right and and it so they bring him into sort of like a back room, which I guess was right there on property. And then <laughs> he has this he has this horse that he wants to bet because the 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 cute blonde said she likes uh this certain horse, the two horse, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, I think it was the favorite. So his intention yeah, two is to, to one bet favorite. This, basically bet uh, bet it all, bet everything that he has on this horse. Yeah. Yeah. And just double up his money. And he's starting to get panic because he's he's handcuffed in his back room. And while they're trying to figure out who he is, he runs while handcuffed to the window to try to uh to get this book to, to get this money down. Yeah, he's crashes running. through the door like the <laughs> the Kool-Aid man. It's one yeah. of the wackier scenes, really. <laughs> yeah. Busts through the door. Uh, runs down the hall. He gets tripped up. He falls. He quickly scrambles to his feet. And as he gets up to make the bets, uh, he even kicks his shoes off and holds one in his mouth to try to get the money into the window. And as he's doing that, the window closes and the race is off. And what ultimately, of course, happens, the horse he was going to bet on does not win. And 
So this whole time, every time something good happens to him, he's like, oh, God likes me. Like, I'm lucky. I am winning. Like, he has these. right. I'm having a very good day. I'm having a very good day. That's right. He has, like, all these affirmations for how well he's doing. And he does, like, he has this again now, like, with the the, the horse didn't Right. It's uh, this big thing. He says, I didn't lose. I didn't lose. That's the big, great thing that just happened to him on this last race. He didn't lose. Now, his wife calls the track and he gets called to pick up a local courtesy phone he wanders over there he picks up the phone and it's his wife and she's all sorts of pissed off uh, because she's at home and they're supposed to be starting off this new marriage of trust and and treating each other better and you know probably less than you know probably 12 hours after he said i'm not going to gamble anymore or i'm not going to i won't gamble he's clearly at the track and with only really one thing to do and he has what is clearly my favorite line in the movie. I'm not gambling. I'm winning. <laughs> yep. That's fantastic. Such, such a good line. Yep. Here's my question now. How did she know he was at the track? Oh, you know, she jumped to conclusion. You kind of okay. have to suspend your disbelief okay. on this one because, you know, she's, yeah, she's calling the track. He's, she certainly wouldn't think that she'd be in the jockey club. Right. Uh, you know, it was a white courtesy phone that I guess could be anywhere at the track. So, yeah, you okay. know, it's it's a little tough to believe that she could have gotten a hold of him, but she did in the movie. <laughs> I'm not trying to pull coals. I'm just making sure I didn't miss something on. Yeah, uh, no. OK. All right. Yeah. Very good. The bookies that Looney has been betting with. So going back to the Packer game. Uh, they show up in the jockey club and Trotter Trotter finds out that not only did he not bet the horse uh, with the 50 that he lent him, but uh, he bet he did in fact bet the Packers, but he didn't bet just the 50. He bet a nickel. Uh, and he finds out that Looney is down is uh, 800 with these uh, with these two bookies. Yep. Uh, Trotter goes back to the bar and uh, the, um, what's her name? Uh, that you just brought up, uh, Cynthia, Cynthia Nixon. Nixon. Yeah, she <laughs> she says she's like, I'm gonna go pull out all my savings and win what we lost, win or uh, get back what we lost. <laughs> yep, it's fantastic, and she's playing a 19 year old, yeah. right? So you know that's what's great is this is kind of her first exposure to gambling of any kind, probably. You know the racetrack, and yep, she she knows what she's doing. <laughs> His Trotter's wife shows up to the jockey club because uh, he he's encouraging. Like he's like, come on, get Gus up, come yeah, see yeah. me, and stuff yeah. like that. He's encouraging her to come down to the track. Yeah, it looks like when he was on the phone with her, it looks like he generally genuinely had forgotten that they were going to get together. It yeah. wasn't like he was blowing her off. It was like, oh, so yeah, his intentions are good. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, come on, get Gus up, come to the jockey club. You're gonna like it, right? This is like this is classic. Anybody who gambles and their spouse isn't in a gambling, it's <laughs> like come see like the fun side of this stuff right <laughs> yeah uh so we all i mean look we all love bringing our spouses to a nice dinner when we have the dining credit right like come come oh, check yeah. out come look at what i can do with my <laughs> with my with my gambling uh experiences here yeah. oh we get to go to the front of the line here seven yeah. stars yeah you see that <laughs> yeah i didn't lose too much money for that <laughs> So she shows up, she's in a nice dress she's in, and she sits down and she just immediately demands the money. She's like, give me the money. She's like, you can keep, she even like, I think offers to like, let him hold on to a couple, like to the, you just like, let, at least let me hold most of it. Let me like, let me, and he denies, denies. And she says, I don't see why you people can't watch the horses run around the track and not bet on them. 
and everybody groans and then laughs at her. Yeah. Uh, and he says there is no racing without betting. Yep. And boy, he could not be more true, more it's right. Absolutely true. Yep. There's no way, like the industry itself, though in like in in the in the waning industry that it is, only hangs on by a thread because people are still betting it. Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't you know? otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trotter claims that he's going to go to the men's room and he runs around the track asking what people like in the next race, what horse that he likes. Uh, and so he, and as people are making cases for these horses, he's crossing them off a list, the, or the, the race sheet that he has, he's crossing yeah. them off, crossing, crossing them off until there's only one horse left. And it's the three horse that so, nobody has said was going to win. Right. Yeah. No one likes a three horse. And since his first two uh, bets were on horses that were unassumed that people didn't like, he figures he's going to keep on going with it. And he circles the three horse. That's what he's going to bet. So he runs to he has thousands of dollars. He goes to the, he goes to the, uh, the, the window, and him and Coltrane have a really nice, then him and Figurator have like a really nice scene here. Like they kind of take their time with processing the bet, making sure that everything is squared away. Uh, you know, Coltrane makes sure that like he understands, like that he kind of understands the the significance of this. Like, you know, it's an all or nothing thing. And then I love that he offers him a cigarette after the bet is made. It's so great. What a great scene. Yeah, so it, it's, good. it's a, you know, for as crazy as the movie can be and fast, you know, this is just, yeah, taking a step back, like, okay, we're enjoying this. The tickets yeah. have been <laughs> processed. Oh, yeah. So good. Uh, it's, she, uh, oh, yeah, they're, so he's back in the jockey club. He tells her that he doesn't have it. He bet it. And he says, it's not my gambling that you hated. It was my losing. Mm -hmm. Which for as, for as, for this being a, a funny, like a, a goofy movie is probably the most poignant line in the whole movie. Yeah. Because that is the thin, that is the line, right? That, that couples and families and people them, like struggling with themselves have, right? The gambling isn't the problem unless it is, unless, until it comes to losing, not just losing uh, money, right? But losing time, right? Losing attention, right? Yeah. So, right. so it, like when the gambling starts becoming a deficit somewhere in your life, financially, emotionally, whatever it may be, that's when it becomes the problem, right? And yeah, and it's an ironic line for most people because, well, if you are gambling, you are losing. Yes, <laughs> right. So yes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're all about even. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm about even for the trip. Yeah. About even, yeah. She cries and storms out. Very awkward. Uh, everybody kind of stares, but uh, she cries, storms out. The we're off to the next race where he's got all this big money down, and the three horse wins. Mm -hmm. Three bets. Three wins. This guy could not have a better day. He offers to pay Looney's uh, gambling debt. He spends all the money on paper, which I thought was hilarious, and then believes that he's broke. That right? is, uh, that's the thing that when I saw the movie the first time, left the biggest impression on me because I've been in that situation too. He now has $69,000. And so he's writing down everything that he needs to pay for, buy, expenses, all that thing. And he gets down to zero. It's like, I'm broke. You know, it's like, okay, 
great, but you know, it's it's too bad I couldn't have won some money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm broke. Yeah. yeah, this left a big impression on me. I love it. The wife and uh there's some there's some wife and money drama. Uh he's back to he gets back to the bar where he's a hero now, right? He's gone yeah. from being the guy no one wanted to take a uh, no no one wanted to take a bot round from him to now he's a hero and people are cheering for him they're hanging on every every bit of his word he's hyping him up he's bringing him through this monologue and blah blah, blah. and he gets the crowd all riled up until he suggests that they pull their money and all go bets together and then the whole the everybody's animation dies everybody kind of like ah i don't know about that no one is on board and they and, get back to what they were doing, right? Exactly. Like, okay, that's the end of it. Yeah. And at first, yeah, it's like, well, why, why are they having that response? Don't they want to like tail a winner? But no, they they just kind of want to enjoy his fun, right? But no one really wants to put their own money on the line for this stuff, right? Because I and tell me if you took anything. They still believe that he's a loser. Right. Like I, it, it come, to me, it came across of they still think that he's one bet away from being a, a loser like them again. And so like they don't want to like invest their own money into whatever the next long shot is. Right. Yeah. And I'll wait till you tell a little bit more of the plot and I'll bring up uh, uh, something that really brings that home. OK. Uh, he goes back down to the stables and he sees a horse's name uh that is called hot to trot and in fact uh i think it's is it looney who's down there with him yes uh uh-huh, it's looney uh, there's a, a scene first with jennifer tilly where he kind of breaks the fourth wall and talks to us saying about how he's having a good day because she's kind of coming on to him yeah but then looney shows up yeah and looney makes a comment you definitely don't want to bet on that horse and of course nothing could it could pique his interest more on betting on a horse than someone not liking a horse and then he sees the name of the horse is hot to trot and i imagine that the word trot catches his eye there uh with his last name uh trotter and he he decides that he's going to go make that wager and in fact he does and it's so big of a wager that the ticker writer is like well it would take forever to print all of those win tickets and it might even break the machine. We have to take you in the back and process this. And sure yeah, enough, and that's probably something they'd even do today. But as you yeah. watch this, uh, this was 1989. So when he was making these bets earlier, he wasn't getting a single ticket for the amount that he wagered. Yeah. He was getting multiple $50 tickets. That's the way, you know, that the machines worked then. So, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so he's in the back, he's making his bet and, uh, and the ticket writer noticed like notes, like how calm he is, right. The, the most people back there are kind of, kind of nervous, whatever. And Trotters is like, yeah, I'm here to make a bet. I'm, it's going to win. Clearly it's going to win. Cause I, I, you know, it's the day that I'm having. Yeah. And he, he, by now he's become a legend around the track. And when he goes back into the crowd to watch this race, he gets a clapping ovation from everybody. Yep. And here's the line that I'm going to talk about. Okay. He tells them that he's bet it all on this horse, hot to trot. Yep. And his friend Looney turns to the crowd and yells, he's pissed it all away. And yeah. everybody cheers. Yeah. It's almost, he's pissed it all away. So it's like, well, okay, here's the loss you were all anticipating and everybody cheers like, yes, this is the way gambling works. We've all been here. We all know. Yes. Yep. 
it's an intense race. Uh, there's a lot of people talking to God. <laughs> yeah, a lot they, of do pe- they do a good job of, of making the race last and and be exciting. Yeah. Yep. Everybody has their own like, let this happen or make this happen for this reason, and I'll do this is better or whatever. And uh, his wife even shows back up. She's wearing a necklace that he bought her, and like he had gone back to her his place um, later. She was on the couch drunk, and so she left. He left like a um uh, a necklace and some champagne and stuff she comes back wearing the necklace and it's another photo finish and you're i have to i have to admit it does a it's doing a great job making you feel like this is it right he's lost it yeah and he starts saying i knew it i knew it and like at first when he's saying i knew it i start thinking did he bet the wrong horse? Maybe like, is this one of those like roulette players that are like, Oh, I, I, I knew it. Um, like, but no, he won again. Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's the thing is that you're not expecting that Yeah, in a movie because that's not usually what happens, right? There's, there's no moral to this story, right? Right. This is a gambler who just keeps gambling, making these terrible decisions and gets paid for it. And yeah. that's kind of refreshing. Again, this is not a realistic movie. It's a screwball comedy. And to have him win at the end, and that's the end of the movie, right? You know, he, he won this final race. It, it is. It's kind of refreshing. It's like, yes. Okay. Yeah. Like, let's just have a, let's, let's have a fun gambling movie where the guy making bad gambling decisions is having the time of his life and getting lucky. Yeah, and don't think about what happens after the movie's over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't try to bring reality into yeah. this. He this won, was, and that's it. Yeah. 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 Uh, good movie. I I would watch that again. I would watch that again. That is a kind of movie that I would, if like I just need a movie on while I'm doing something. That's exactly mm-hmm. the kind of movie I would I would put on. Yeah, you definitely could be because it's kind of episodic in some ways, you know, each race and then yep. it goes to the jockey club and everything. Yeah, you could tune in at any point and just watch a scene or two. Yeah. Yep. It's I can see why so many people speak well of it, too. Right. That was that was, that was something I was a little worried about. I was like, ah, like I've seen, you know, some movies, you know, live up to expectations. Yeah, when people some don't. And, sure, sure. Yeah. And like, let it ride with like everybody, everybody, you know, rounders is like the far and away, the movie that everybody brings up is the, what they consider to be like the best gambling movie. Right. right? And we can debate that, uh, you know, forever, but every other movie, there's every other movie has its sort of balance of critics and, and praisers and let it ride very, I really have, no one has really come out to be like, what are you talking about? Let it ride with a horrible movie, right? Like, (laughs) like it's either people who like live by it being great or other people saying like, I enjoyed it. Like it's, it's, it's like neutral to good are, is like the response uh, from here. And I think it's funny that you point out the 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, because (laughs) if you just look inside of our echo chamber, right. You would think that it's like, what, like it's, it's a, it's a classic that everybody should watch. Right. Uh, but no, you peel away the layer of maybe, you know, caring about a gambling storyline or whatever. I can see how people really wouldn't have been into this because if you're not, if you haven't sweated a fucking bet before this movie might not be all that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I really, when you really think about like with the plot that you're trying to follow the, you know, how the, the story's building, 
Yeah, I think the whole like getting lucky, winning money. Yeah, people I think maybe can can appreciate that. But I think that, you know, from him being on the rail to him watching the second, uh, he watched the second race at like a, a, a TV inside the track with a couple buddies, right? Like yeah, yeah. he's watching the, he's watching the, the, the races from different parts of the racetrack. He's interacting with different people. There's like the, the, like there's the exchange and dialogue between different betters. There's the community that's both at the bar and at the racetrack, both at the jockey club and down in the, in the, in the stands. But like that, that feeling of sweating a bet, I think is what makes that's part of what like helped allowed me to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah. I think two comedies sometimes can uh, be polarizing. Maybe not. I shouldn't use a word like that, but everybody's got a different sense of humor, obviously. And comedies are unique beasts in that they don't necessarily have to have a lot of character development or scenes that move the plot along. Sometimes they just have to be funny, but I think this has, Everything I think Richard Dreyfus's comic timing is fantastic. So yeah, you know, th- again, this is my fourth time, and and I enjoyed it just as much as the previous three. So yeah, good. Uh, one thing, one thing I will say, uh, just as kind of an aside, Please. there's a song that plays throughout the movie. It starts the movie, it ends the movie. They played a few times here. Uh, you may remember it. It starts out, "I've got the horse right here. His name is Paul Revere," and it goes hmm. on and on. Uh, it's from the uh, the play and the movie Guys and Dolls. It's called Fugue for Tin Horns, and uh, you know we might want to think about watching Guys and Dolls sometimes. You know, it's a uh, Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra. It's a if you don't mind musicals, it's uh, okay. You know, there's crap shooting in it and uh, all sorts of stuff. I've never seen it, so but I am familiar with the music. Uh, the song uh, "Luck Be a Lady Tonight" is from oh. Guys and Dolls, so. Um, but anyway, that's just kind of an aside of the 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 song that was playing during the movie. And to be honest, so I mean, so since it's a, since there's gambling elements, I'll be more interested in doing this. Yeah, but I struggle with musicals. I don't uh, know. You know, I I know a lot of people do. I adore musicals. I love musicals. I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> I I sat I really down to it. watch Spirited, which is on Apple uh, Apple TV. Yeah, uh, it has uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds in it. Yeah, and as they start getting into singing, I'm like, okay. I, like, I didn't realize that it was a musical, but I was like, I, I, I love these guys, right? There's no, I'm, sure, I, sure. this is, this will be great. But like the second song, I'm like, I got, I can do something else. <laughs> yeah. It's not for everybody. I mean, yeah. you're certainly not alone. If anything, I think I'm in the minority, Yeah, but I get a big kick out of it. I, again, I've never seen guys and dolls, so I don't know, but um, you yeah, know, there's a, a lot of gambling in it. So. Very good. Well, the next the next time we do this will be in the month of January. It'll be the year 2023. And I would like to finally do another grab bag episode pointing out either television episodes or scenes from TV or, or movies where there are some gambling references. Okay. Uh, did you know? Are you are you caught up on Rick and Morty? Uh, have not seen the latest one, but otherwise caught up. Yes. Um. Okay, I think two episodes ago there was a like two second reference to uh, uh, to gambling. Um, I I set the over under at one and a half gambling references um, in this in this season, and I'm gonna give that enough credit for one. And I think there's one or two more episodes left in the season, so we'll see if they go over that number. But okay, um, uh, I'm not holding my breath. Um, 
and then uh we have there's a there's a south park episode that we're going to cover i know we've uh i've sent you that and then um i have some uh some scenes from some more scenes from the office and later later up later seasons and we've uh covered already um and then i think i have uh one more oh what is it i'll, I'll find it but anyways grab back episode as i'm finding these and sending it to you mark i'll tweet them out as well so people can check them out uh if they want to uh want to watch them all right very good are you watching anything good right now uh, uh gosh right now oh it caught me on the spot i'm trying I'm so to sorry think, uh uh, one show that was recently canceled uh, breaks my heart. It was called Los Spookies. Uh, oh. It's mostly Spanish language, but there is some English in it. It is out there. I mean, it's like anything can happen in it. It's a comedy, but uh, it is bizarre. Probably not for everybody. Got a lot of good attention, though, from the critics, unfortunately canceled. I'll recommend that for people who are serious about their comedy. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um and they're watching right now nothing's jumping out so okay uh, maybe maybe i'll have some suggestions next time we meet very good i just finished i just watched the first season of severance no game oh, we just started that uh i've only seen the first episode so we're a little behind i should have already seen the whole first season but for whatever reason we just started it and it's off to a good start i think so it is uh no um well i didn't find a gambling reference you're gonna love the show, though. Okay, yeah, uh, and yeah, I look okay. forward to talking to talking to you about it uh, uh, next time we, you and I chat. Great. Um, and then uh, I'll put you on a spot. Can I can I get you for a better life episode in January, sort of a uh, a year in review type episode? Yeah, you did mention that that you'd be contacting me <laughs> on one of your episodes. You mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be my pleasure. Yeah, I'm gonna pretty soon. I'm gonna be like, "Hey, will someone call Mark Duvall and let him know that I want to do an episode with him?" I got to make sure I listen to your episodes as soon as they come out because maybe yeah. at the very end, Mark, you're, you're it's gonna, eight o'clock Monday. I expect you to call me tomorrow morning. You're gonna get, you're gonna call from Adam Bauer. Hey, Tim wants me to call you and ask <laughs> if you want to record with him next week. All right, yeah. Mark. Always a pleasure. Look forward to the next time we get the chance to do this. All right, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim.